Everyone is a genius, but if you judge a fish by its ability to climb a tree, it will live its whole life believing that it is stupid. That's a quote by Einstein. This is episode number 48, You Are a Genius, How to Activate Your Greatness. I'm excited to share this information with you. We're talking about a wake up eager habit, activate your greatness. Hit it, Michael. Welcome to the Wake Up Eager Workforce Podcast, a show designed for leaders, trainers, and consultants who are responsible for employee selection and professional development. Each episode is packed full with insider tips, best practices, expert interviews, and inspiration. Please welcome the host who is helping leaders, trainers, and consultants everywhere, Susie Price. Hi, my name is Susie Price, and I'm with Priceless Professional Development, and I am your host on the Wake Up Eager Workforce podcast, where we focus on helping leaders build an energetic, committed, drama-free, wake-up eager workforce. And we do this through using hiring science to help you evaluate job fit, coaching leaders to help leaders grow trust, activate greatness, create great teams. And then we also do training around leadership skills and team building. So it's good to talk to you. It's a Monday morning here in Atlanta, Georgia, and it's cool weather finally here. It's October. We've had a very hot summer. I've got at my feet because I'm in my home office, my three puppies. I'm thinking they're going to be quiet. We'll see. Uh, we have a new addition to the to the family brood. It is a Tibetan terrier, and his name is Oliver, and he's cute as a button. I'll put a picture in the show notes. So we've been having fun with that. He he uh, joined us a couple weeks ago. So I have 15-year-old Oscar, so, uh, who I've talked about on the podcast before, two-year-old Walter, both of them are Shih Tzu Poodles, and then we've got Tibetan Terrier Oliver. So our little family, they're great energy. I just took them for a walk out in our, um, we have an area out back that takes you out into the woods and took them for a walk and kind of settled in in order to talk about this topic today. And I'm excited about the topic. I'm passionate about it. Always talking about waking up eager and how to live your fullest and best life. Uh, We're doing a series right now around the five wake up eager habits. And you know, probably if you know me, I like acronyms. And so we have an acronym for the five wake up eager habits, E-A-G-E-R. And I'll read through the habits real quick or share them with you. E out of the acronym eager is for enter the zone. A, activate greatness. G, grow trust. E, evaluate job fit. R, recalibrate daily. And those are five habits that will help a leader build a team, build a life, be a wake-up eager leader, create wake-up eager team dynamics. And so we're doing a series on those. And I did enter the zone, the first one. We did two episodes. And so you can find the show notes in those episodes at pricelessprofessional.com forward slash zone. And then the second episode is uh, pricelessprofessional.com forward slash zone and the number two. Both of those were interviews with folks who do uh, work with athletes. And we talked about what it means to enter the zone when you're an athlete, to get into the flow, to be your best. And then we translated that over into leadership. We often think about getting in the zone as athletes, but you can do the same thing as a leader and how to cultivate that. Today is about activating greatness, that second habit. And again, our title is You Are a Genius, How to Activate Your Greatness. And what we're going to cover is we're going to define this habit. We're going to talk about why it matters for you, the wake up your leader, and for your wake up your life. We're going to share seven things that get in the way, and you might recognize some of those things, get in the way of us activating our own greatness or reaching out and activating greatness in the people around us. And then I'm going to share with you three actions you can take. The show notes for today's episode can be found at pricelessprofessional forward slash genius, pricelessprofessional.com forward slash genius. So what do you think of this genius Einstein and his quote? I'll read it to you again or share it. Everyone is a genius, but if you judge a fish by its ability to climb a tree, it will live its whole life believing that it is stupid. So the genius, Einstein, believes that everybody is a genius. How about that? What do you think? Do you buy into that? Do you feel like a genius? Can you see the genius in the people around you? What if we traded the word for genius and we just said greatness? 
or we use the word potential, or we use the word strength, talents. You know, do you feel like you have potential? Do you feel like the people around you have potential? So if genius might feel maybe that's a stretch or hard to buy into, and I just love that it is the genius who said that. So he didn't believe that he was the only one who had access to special information and a special way to contribute to the world. To me, that quote is, he believed everybody has that within them, and I believe that too. And I believe that that's easier to assimilate or take in when you think about special talents, special gifts, unique you, special you, special people on your team. And if you're not feeling like a genius and right at this moment, and you're not feeling like your team is being the geniuses that you would like them to be, it could be related to not fully realizing or fully understanding what your special talents and gifts are. And so that's what activating greatness is about. And I believe that everyone is a genius because I believe everybody has special and unique gifts and talents that were born into them and were designed through them to bring to the world. And that's what I want to do and be about in this work is helping people see their talents and their genius. And when we don't do that, to the rest of his quote, when he talks about if you judge a fish by its ability to climb a tree, it will live its whole life believing it's stupid. When we're not using our strengths and talents in the job, in our life, in our work, we're not clear on what they are. We're not using them. We can feel like a fish out of water. So we need to be in water, but we're trying to climb a tree. And so we feel frustrated. We might feel, as he says in his quote, stupid. We certainly are unmotivated and we may doubt our value. So, you know, I can't even do this work I don't want to do. And so we judge ourselves or we judge people around us by not being able to do what we do. Um, So it's activating your greatness, activating their greatness, seeing your genius, seeing their genius, because we all have genius that was born into us. And it's been being shaped by us through all of our experiences. And it's there. It just has to be ignited or reignited. And when it is, you have a wake up eager life. You have more purpose and focus and more confidence and it all starts with understanding what are my individual talents and gifts, or that's one place that it starts. And um, if you understand what they are and then find ways to use them in your work and use them in your life, you feel like that fish in water, which is just moving along. Everything's normal. It's how it should be. There's flow. You feel at ease. There's lots of satisfaction. So that's why activate your greatness is a wake up eager leader habit. When you think of the word activate, what is activate? You turn on, you initiate, you start, you set something in motion. Here at Priceless Professional Development, we do a lot of car analogies when we talk about the trimetrics assessment. And it's interesting to me that activate greatness is about turning on, turning on the engine, getting it started. And so some of the ways you can start to understand your special strengths and talents is through the trimetrics assessment where you see where you scored on how you're motivated and what your style is and, and appreciating your greatness in those areas and fully using that talent that was born into you. So activate means to start, to initiate, to turn on. Greatness is the quality of being great, mastery. Virtuosity is what it said in the definition. Talent, prowess, and genius is in there too. So if you want to wake up eager and you want your team to wake up eager, one of the things that needs to happen is you you all, you start this because you're the one listening. You're the leader. It's hard to give something to someone if you don't already have it. Your ability to create a wake up eager life and leadership and team is related to your ability to actively and consciously know and use your natural talents and strengths so that you're energized, you're motivated, you're aligned, you're adding value to the organization and to the lives of the people around you just in this ability to activate your greatness and own it. So if you've mastered the activate greatness habit, here are three things that we we say are related to that. So if you've mastered activate greatness, you are taking full ownership of your happiness, your motivation, your inspiration. You don't put it on anybody else. Uh, That person's not 
helpful or my spouse is one way or another or my family was this way. You take full ownership of your own happiness and motivation. If you're doing that, you're, you're getting close to mastering the habit of activating greatness. Two other parts are self-awareness. You understand and put to use your strengths, your preferences. You know what your blind spots are. You embrace all of it. You're very aware of who you are and how you show up. And you've gotten very comfortable in your own skin, in your strengths and in gaps or blind spots. You own all of it. And then the next thing after you've taken ownership and you have some self-awareness of who you are and, and how you add value and is other awareness. You're able to, from this platform of self-awareness, look at others and you're able to see their potential, to see their genius, to look for it, to encourage it. And especially when they're, and this is a real test, when their genius is the opposite of your own, they have different ways of communicating. They have different things that they value. They have different strengths. And when you can look at another and see their potential and not try to direct them in the way that you would go, but in a way that's the very best for them, then you are at the top of the heap in regard to activating greatness. I often share research from the Gallup organization, and I like the research because it does give us some objective data on the power of recognizing strengths, talents, genius. And I'm going to share the research again because they keep doing it and updating it, and it's very informative, and it's a very well-done survey. It's, they interview about 50,000 business units. 1.2 million employees. They've gone across 22 organizations in seven industries and 45 countries. So it's a wide ranging survey. And they are the ones who are often when you hear about engagement and you hear about commitment and they say that seven out of 10 people are not committed or engaged in their work, then they're the ones who share that data or do that research. Here's some additional points, though, in regard to the power of strength, of knowing and owning your strengths and using and activating your greatness and genius. If you just know your strengths, they've been able to register that you're 8% more productive the next day. If you're just aware of your strengths, there's an uptick in productivity. If you use your strengths and talents and genius on the job every day, you're six times more likely to be engaged in your work and you're three times more likely to say, I have a high quality life. So we want the engagement and commitment and drama free at work. Well, you get more satisfied people with a higher quality life when they are doing what they're good at and doing what their strengths are. They're 15% less likely to quit. And when a manager focuses on strengths and positive characteristics, six, almost seven out of 10 are, are more likely to be engaged. You have increased sales, you have higher profit, customer engagement, less safety incidents. So there's so much power in this focus on strengths and somehow it gets lost. And, um, you know, a lot of good research, people are focusing on it more now than they used to, but it still gets lost. And we have a lot of people who are disengaged and are, you know, they, they drag themselves to work. They do funny memes on Facebook about, uh, you know, oh, it's a terrible Monday. And there was this one video of a guy who it was, I don't know how they did it, but he's going to work, but they flattened him out like he's a stick figure and he's dragging into work and he's sliding everywhere he goes, his hands behind him. He's like trying to pull back and not go. Um, but it's like a little video. And so it's like, this is me on Monday. So that has become more normal. People just normalize this feeling of not liking your work and not being productive or not uh, enjoying what they do every day. And, uh, I would want to counteract that and say that this habit is something that you can use to make that not normal for you because you get to decide what's normal, not, not all the memes on Facebook and what the society is doing, but being bored and stressed and not wanting to get up in the morning is abnormal. And what I know, I, I believe that. And when you step into your genius self, when you step into your strengths and talents and you fully own them, you inspire everybody around you and you help your team do it. And um, this is a statement. I'm going to read these statements from uh, an inspirational leader that I listened to, Abraham Hicks. And uh, this is what they say is what normal really is. And I want you to listen to it and notice how you feel when I say this. Do you get excited or do you think, oh my God, that's 
impossible, but here it is. Here's what's normal. What's normal to you is enthusiasm. What's normal to you is laughing a lot, many times a day. What's normal to you is to feel strong, sure, confident, and secure. What's normal to you is to feel so much self-confidence in your life and in your work and about who you are that when you look at others, you're always in a positive place and able to uplift others. What's normal to you is to have so much energy at the end of the day that you're looking for more good things to do. What is normal to you is to have such passion for life that when you're with other people, you're eager to hear what they're doing and how they're doing it. What's normal to you is to have so much energy at the end of the day that you're already eagerly planning tomorrow. What is normal to you is feeling disappointment that the sun goes down and enthusiastic that the sun comes up. What is normal to you is a zest for life beyond anything that most of you over eight years old have remembered or felt in a long time. That's what is normal. So if you want to be normal, to be that, one key is to activate your greatness and then do that for their employees. It's a process. It is not a one day thing. I can't say that I check all of these off all the time, but I'm so much closer to all of this as being normal to me than I was a year ago, five years ago, 10 years ago. And it is that focus of believing that I can create a life I love. I can make a difference in the world. I can use my strengths. I can activate my greatness and the greatness of those around me. And I can create this dynamic uplifting, wake up eager life and wake up eager workforce. So that's, that's the gig. We get uh, tricked into thinking that it's normal to feel the opposite of all of those statements. So let me ask you, is your awareness of the people around you bigger or smaller than their own? So you think about people on your team. Can you look at them and see a bigger vision for them? If they're in a fog right now and they're not performing as strong as you'd like, is there any way you can have a flashlight in the fog that helps them walk their way out of that? Can you be a part of that? I think that's a great contribution that you can make as a leader, and it's certainly what I want to do in my businesses. Make it so that people can see their greatness, and and oftentimes they just can't see it. Nobody's reflected anything back to them. And so most of my work, I believe, is is pointing out that uh, people are bigger than they think they are and they have more potential than they think they have. And so I, when you think about that, you think about activating greatness, I always start with you activating yourself first. Um, but it, what naturally comes out of that is you're going to activate others' greatness. Think about people in your life who've believed in you, who did that for you, saw your potential when you couldn't see it. You were in a fog, doing whatever you were doing in high school, college, uh, in your career, not knowing what you didn't know, and they shined a flashlight in the fog, and you took a different steps or maybe a different path um, because they believed in you. And they might not have said, I believe in you, but they, they reflected to you in some way, either how they listened to you, uh, what they shared, the opportunities that they gave you, but they sent you the message or sent the message to you that you're smart and capable. I can think of people who've done that for me in my life and uh, they stand out and I'm assuming you have people like that too. We want to, we want to be that. We want to create this new normal. So maybe you're with me now and maybe you're thinking, okay, activate greatness. I get it. Yeah, I like how that sounded about waking up and feeling enthusiasm and all of that. I like that. And it makes sense. We all might would say that makes sense. It's logical and, and, and hits me emotionally too and, and sounds admirable. Well, what gets in the way? Why don't we create this activate greatness piece where we fully use our talents and strengths and we come in, you know, engaged and strong? Well, I came up with seven reasons, and let me share those with you, what I see, and tell me what you think. Um, one, we don't know how to figure it out, so we don't, we don't know, we don't appreciate our greatness. Uh, Gallup has research that says three out of four adults can't name their strengths, and of course, they're not using them on the job every day either. So we, we don't know how to figure it out. Not that many people are focusing on it, and so we are just um, moving along and taking what comes as opposed to activating our greatness, initiating, turning on what we're naturally good at. The second thing that gets in the way is we don't remember or we don't 
know how powerful it is for everyone to use their strengths, that we don't realize the advantage in that. If you think about the Gallup research, how many advantages there are in using your strengths. And I think the other thing is maybe we do know our strengths. Let's say that. Let's say we know our strengths, but we don't realize that whatever we're naturally interested in is a strength and that that natural interest is related to our own energy, motivation, and inspiration. So for me, I always knew that I love to learn, but I didn't know that was related to like, okay, that's a skill. That's a, that's a talent. That's some of my genius. Uh, I like to share knowledge. That's some of my genius. And it's related to me being motivated, inspired, you know, bringing my best self to my work. So I think that's a piece of it. We don't know how to figure it out, or we just don't even know that strengths are related to being effective. There's a lot of the third thing is old habits. We've had a lot of practice, a lot of practice around looking at what's wrong with ourselves. And there is always a place for that in truth and, you know, to be courageous and and feedback and tell people, you know, where they can improve and where the gaps are. So this is not about not doing that. Um, but sometimes we're we're better at looking at what's wrong than we are looking at what's right. And we create this habit around it. So the minute people get their assessment, uh, when they do the trimetrics and they're going through a coaching call with me, they immediately want to jump on, oh, there's a gap here, there's a gap there. And I'm like, wait a minute, let's let's back up. I want to talk about you. I want to know more about your life, where you've been and how you got here. I want to know more about your goals because we all have gaps, but where are your goals? Let's put it in context and let's see if even even those gaps matter and, and according to your goal. And then let's also talk about your strengths. Are you clear on what they are? Three out of four adults, according to Gallup, don't even know what they are. So let's let's make sure we get a handle on that and let's talk about gaps and development areas. A fourth thing that I think gets in the way of talking about strengths is we confuse talking about strengths with bragging. So if I say I'm a genius, I was actually with an organization and they wanted me to change the program. They didn't want me as a talk. Some of this is from a talk I do. And they said, oh, I don't think genius would go over. Well, we can't talk about genius because that will that, you know, we're all about humility. Um, And I understood that and I was happy to make the change. And I just use different language. But if we're saying we're so humble that we can't even talk about our strengths and we think that that is bragging or we're afraid if I look at someone else's potential and I reflect it back to them that they'll get a big head, then we're, we're missing what true humility is. True humility, in my opinion and view, is knowing myself so well that I am so comfortable in my skin, so I've, I know what my greatness is, that I'm not offended, I'm not uh, resistant to feedback, I don't have to brag about myself, I don't have to make the whole conversation about me. And based on my experience with the assessments, the higher someone has in the acumen part is has a higher sense of self, higher identification with their role, a higher hope for the future, which is someone who's very, who's very much activated their greatness. They understand who they are and what their value is. Those are the people who find it easy, easier to be humble because they aren't always trying to protect themselves. So the acumen assessment, if, if you aren't aware, is a part of the assessment and trimetrics that measures how we think and make decisions. And I've seen at least 10,000 of these in my 15 years of doing this. And when someone has high internal scores, they are much higher in resiliency, much higher in internal is how they think and see themselves is what that is. They're more stable. They're more resilient. They're able to take initiative. They're less defensive. They're less reactionary. Um, they're more calm. It's the opposite of what we think. When we feel good about ourselves and in our skin, we're not bragging. We're just at ease with ourselves. So higher sense of self equals more effectiveness and more knowing and not bragging. Bragging comes from a place of insecurity, not true awareness of who I am and how I add value. And if you think about, say, for example, you're in any, anything you're doing, do you want someone next to you? Say, if, for example, we'll just do hiking. You're hiking and you're on a steep incline and there's a really skinny ledge and, you know, off the edge is mountains on each side. Who do you want next to you? You want someone who's confident and steady and strong, or do you want someone who's unsure and tentative? 
so that you have each other's back. You want the confidence steady and strong. And one way to become that and do that is to see others' potential and reflect it back to them, to see your own so that you are calm, confident, and steady. So those are four things that get in the way. Don't know how to figure it out. Don't remember the power of using strengths. We've got a lot of habits around looking at what's wrong with ourselves. We're confused about genius and strengths and is it bragging and they'll get a big head. Um, The next thing is it feels selfish. So if I'm going to focus on my greatness, but how is that? Is that selfish? Am I, can I do that? And I can remember uh, 20 plus years ago, I was meeting with a career counselor and I was, had a good job, but I wanted, I didn't really, wasn't very satisfied in the role and I wanted to find something else. And I remember her asking you know, what would a perfect day look like? And of course, I ask that a lot now. So it's so funny to me all these years later. But what would a perfect day look like? What do you really want? And I had never even thought about what I really wanted. I just needed a job, <laughs> you know, and that's how I landed where I did. And it's like, well, you know, what I really want is I want to be learning. I want to, you know, work out every morning and, you know, all these things that, of course, are my life today. But back then it felt so selfish for me. I mean, you mean I can really say what I want? And so I guarantee you, if you are doing things and spending your day using your greatness, your strengths and talents every day, you will feel great and it won't feel selfish. But somehow we think it is, it's too much focus on ourselves, Um, but you're not selfish to own your own happiness and, and take the steps that are best for you. Because if you don't fill your own tank and you don't find your own stability and balance, it's really hard to help other people. And there are people all over the place doing that, trying to help, and they're not stable themselves. And that's good intentions, but it's a uh, minimal help. And then the last, is it the last? No, next to last item that gets in our way is we rationalize mediocrity. So think about that. Do you, have you ever rationalized mediocrity? It's okay for me not to take a risk and go after something I really want because yeah, nobody else does either. It's okay for me to be 30 pounds overweight because half the world is overweight. It's okay for me to just dial it in or call in sick because, oh, everybody else does it. We rationalize mediocrity, but in our soul, it takes parts of our soul away when we do that, um, I believe, and maybe that's dramatically said. So let's say it just dampens what we know about ourselves, which is we want to bring our best. We want to be great. We want to uh, use ourselves fully in our lives. So we may think if, uh, if I do go put out my best or do a podcast or decide to speak or decide to go for that interview or go work out where I get really fit or get certified in tools and information that really matter to me, we may wonder, well, you know, if I'm really standing out, will people like me? Um, am I going to leave others behind? A lot goes into that that help, makes us sometimes rationalize mediocrity. I'm okay where I am. It's less risk. But we've all been positively influenced by people who've taken those risks and not said, I'm going to stay in the mid zone. They've said, I'm going to go be the top of my game. And by them just being at the top of their game, they've influenced you. I have people like that, books that people have written, TV stars, sports stars, visionary CEOs, teachers, coaches. So the thing that we do is rationalize mediocrity when, in fact, we're really influenced by people who have put their greatest self out there. And last but not least out of these seven reasons is we may not activate our greatness gets in the way because we think that our preferences don't matter. And uh, we've gotten feedback from others that we should kind of do what they think are their greatest strengths, whatever their strengths are. So, you know, if, if in your family, everybody loved art and service, but you really are like business and return on investment, you may doubt your preferences. And so you may end up in roles that really aren't a great fit because you got feedback that the other, whatever the other is, I was just making it up, but you know, whatever the other interest is, uh, you got feedback that that was better. So that's the route you took. We got influenced by people um, that maybe, maybe what we're doing doesn't align with our greatest strengths. So those are seven reasons why we have, things have gotten in the way for us activating our genius, our greatness. 
Now I want to talk about three actions you can take. And the first is three actions for activating your greatness. And the first is just about paying attention to when you feel energized or satisfied. It's information into your top strengths. So think about for a moment and exercise with me. Think about, get, pull your schedule out in the last month or so. Think about all the things that you've done in your work and throughout your days. Think about everything that you participated in. Team meetings, maybe you're part of some boards and you were in those meetings, client meetings, projects, phone calls, whatever it is, all the activity you were involved in. And now think about how you felt as you did all these things. And if you need to, pause the recording and think about that. Just take a minute, take two minutes. So were you able to identify some things that were particularly satisfying? Think about genius, greatness, and talents and strengths as things that are satisfying to you. And you talk to anybody about their strengths, and I can guarantee you if I'm on the phone and or in a call or a coaching meeting, and we're going through someone's assessment, and I talk to them in the language of how they scored on their motivators, they're very satisfied when they talk about this. Oh, yeah, that's totally me. There's a sense of, ah, yeah. So there are clues in your daily activity of things that really energize you. And the thing is to tie that into clues about waking up eager and activating your greatness. So I've talked about the assessments. I'm going to give you a little mini assessment right now. I'm going to ask you to listen to six sets of words. And what I want you to do while you're listening is I want you to prioritize them and think about which sets of words are most interesting to you that you think are more satisfying could be a word. Um, They stand out for you. I like this. I move toward this naturally. And it is some tip or insight, more tips and insight into how you activate your greatness, how you create and show your genius. And I'll have the six word circles on our show notes page. It's pricelessprofessional.com forward slash genius. And you can look at the words there, but I'll read them to you now. So your job right now is listen to the words, make a note or two if you can, or rewind and play back again. If you miss it, if you're driving, don't make a note. (laughs) But listen to the words and then pick your number one and then maybe your number two. So number one is, here's the words, problem solving, expert status, deeper meaning, books, knowledge. And the key word for number one is learning. Number two, maximize resources, eliminate waste, productivity, ROI, results. The key word for number two is results. Number three, service, charity, coaching altruistic, helping others. And the key word for number three is service. Number four, work-life balance, nonconformist, nature and beauty, harmony, creativity. And the key word is balance for number four. Number five, take control, advancing, spokesperson, authority, new ideas. And the key word for number five is power. And number six, standards, tradition, process, protocol, creating order. And the key word for number six is process. So go to the show notes if you want to see these again, but I'll quickly show notes, pricelessprofessional.com forward slash genius. But number one was learning the key word. Number two is results. Number three is service. Number four is balance. Number five is power. And number six is process. And in the world of workplace motivators, Every one of these are add value. There's no judgment on them. They all are top interests of individuals. It's based on research and science. And what it does is gives us insight into what fills your tank. And what fills your tank becomes your strengths. So what did you prioritize out of that list when you listen to the list? What stood out for you? And I've, I've done this in a group where you have hundreds of people in the room and people pick different things and then they start seeing, oh my gosh, that is my genius. I never thought to put that together. Of course, I always do that. Um, so that's what kind of happens with us and our genius and our greatness. And so for each one, whatever you selected, what I want you to do is think about who influenced you there. So mine is learning, and then my second one is results. So who influenced you to have that interest, whatever yours was, one, two, three, four, five, six, whatever you picked. 
And who influenced me would be my parents. They're big learners and uh, think outside the box in regard to thought and uh, always had leading edge thought. And my father worked in sales, so very results oriented. But we did a very complex sale with metallurgy. Um, And so I was heavily influenced toward those interests. Um, I think I came into it. I think we all come in with certain nature nurture, um, but it also got influenced. So I came in that way in regard to learning and books and knowledge and certifications. I think of my husband, his family uh, had their own business. His father was a farmer and then an entrepreneur. And they were very, his dad was very results oriented and very practical and also very much the power piece where it's like, I want to be in charge of my own destiny. That was questions number five. So I can see their influence on him. And I always ask if I'm, I'm doing a triad call and we're talking about with the leader and the coachee and myself. And I usually start with something. I don't always ask this, but I'll start with if we're going through their side by side report where it shows both of their results, who influenced them the most. And this is before we've even talked about their results. And I can remember Jerry, who's a executive at a big company said, of course, okay, so let me tell you this, his top circles were power and results. And so he said, oh, when I was growing up, my mom was always in charge of the PTA. She was a former executive, but she ran the PTA and she would always line us up. There were four or five kids and she'd line us up and say that we had to go out and sell the most anytime they were selling cookies or, you know, any kind of fundraising thing. And we always won. Those are his special talents and strengths. And they were shaped by his mother. He's a top executive, uh, very fast paced. And uh, so you see that. And then and then Kim, another person on a call, talked about what influenced her. She talked about well, when my biggest influence was my family. We were to always serve others. And when someone was not well, we spent the weekends going around and visiting with people. Well, he scored really or she scored really high on number three service. So. Our environment shapes us. These drivers or motivators become part of our greatness and how we add value. And it's keen insight to think about who's influenced these. And so it's fruitless to try to change someone's top drivers. Uh, We waste a lot of energy trying to make people wrong for what they care about. But it oftentimes it's been long influenced by how we came in and then who we grew up with and how we were influenced by our family. So the first action is just to pay attention to your energy, your satisfaction, your top motivators. So if you've taken the trimetrics assessment, go back and look at it again and look at your motivators. You know, our best wake up eager activities, the things that add to our genius can be entirely different from one another and they all are important and add value. Once you get more clarity on what your top strengths and talents are, do more of them every day. I think of a meeting I had with Dylan, who is a customer service manager at a health services company. I was in his office with him. We were on the ground floor and the windows were behind me and I had his assessment results in my lap and we were going to talk through those and talk about his goals. And he was very distracted. I could tell he was looking over my shoulder. So I turned around to see what he was looking at and you could see an elderly woman in the parking lot because he was right there off the parking area there. And she was frantic with her arm and her key fob. Obviously, she couldn't either find her car or there was alarm. And she was obviously frustrated. And so I asked Dylan, I said, Dylan, do you want to go help her? And before I could even get the sentence out, he was out the door. And I watched him. He ran out there and he, you know, said, how can I help you? And he was just helping her get to her car. A couple minutes later, probably not more than 10 minutes, he came back and he was beaming. You know, it was like, oh, you know, this bright, shiny light around him. And he was just doing part of his greatness. And I knew that because I had his trimetrics assessment results. He is altruistic. He scored off the chart in service. And so that is, uh, you know, his family influence was about we are of service. So that is his greatness. And that's part of how he adds value and how uh, when he is most satisfied and when he's using his genius, when he feels like a fish in water, anytime he can be of service, he can coach and counsel and mentor others. And so it was a good use of time for me to say, hey, do you want to go out there and do that? 
Now, we can all want to serve. I definitely want to serve, but it is not my top what puts gas in my tank motivator. So that's what this motivator piece is about, is really what puts gas in your tank, and it, it is equal to your genius. So I felt very patient, even though I'm all about results. That was a result of uh, being able to show him, here's your genius. Don't take it for granted. We tend to take it for granted, the things that we do, because it's like we just always have done them. But that's how you are most in the flow around your work. That's why you feel like a fish in water. And that's some of your genius. And how can you do more of it here in this company and then in your personal life so that you're more satisfied? So it was natural for Dylan to want to help. It's what he prioritizes over everything else. So same thing for you. What is natural to you, you might just take it for granted. He's always loved to be of service, but he didn't realize it was related to being satisfied and motivated, more successful at work. So uh, without a specific understanding of our genius and our strengths and our greatness, sometimes it's just hit or miss, and it doesn't have to be that way. So we're talking about figuring out what your strengths and talents are, and we're using the motivating assess motivators that we talked about as one avenue for that. Another action that I would say when we're talking about using doing this more often is to go back and look at your assessments that you've taken. And this time, don't look at it with that, oh, here's what's wrong with me. Go look at what does it say about my genius? What does it say about my greatest driver's interests and strengths? And if you decide you want to take an assessment, give me a shout at pricelessprofessional.com forward slash Susie. And we can talk about it. We can have a complimentary coaching call or consulting call or and or for your team to look at this idea of activating greatness and, and using the assessments as one tool to do that. You can also do what we did a little bit where I had you observe, you know, look at your calendar and, and think about all the things that you did and pay attention when you feel energized, you know, not, not due to three shots of double espresso, <laughs> but when you actually are doing something and it's just like, Oh, this feel, I feel at ease. I feel energized. I feel eager. I feel satisfied. All of those words and just start paying attention. That's that building awareness observing yourself, being an observer, and write down all those things. And before you know it, you're going to observe some themes that emerge um, that help you understand what your greatest strengths are. You can also do the same thing by paying attention to when you feel fully stressed and, and creating a, you know, in week two, maybe you do that paying attention to energy, good energy on week one, and then week two, list all your stressors, times when you're particularly edgy or exhausted. And what's interesting for me, what I know is um, the lowest motivator, the motivator I'm least interested in, I will always feel stressed out if I have to be doing that activity. And for me, it happens to be tradition and protocol. Those things make me edgy. So it starts to help me understand you know, if I have to do that a lot, that is not me doing my genius. That's somebody else's genius, not mine. And so when you do a little bit of that tracking or just self-awareness and self-observation, you get some insights into your genius. So, and uh, what I would say is so much of what we're talking about, about waking up eager. You know, I said, if you mastered it, you're owning your own happiness and life. You don't blame anybody else for your own energy. You you own it. And the second thing is you, you have high self-awareness. So, so much about self-awareness is things that are already happening within you and around you and are you. And so it's information that you have. Uh, so if you take some time, some quiet time on a daily basis, if you do 15 minutes a day of just doing some quiet time, uh, writing, maybe you meditate, maybe you just listen to water, or you pet your dog, or you go for a walk in the woods, all of that adds up. If you do that 15 minutes a day in a year, that's 91 and a half hours of quiet time. So I would suggest because self-awareness is such a key piece of being effective and making the decisions and choices for your life and for your day and to help you, you know, define what your greatness is and your genius and use more of it is taking some time to slow down 15 minutes so, so that you can speed up. There's a quote that I really like, and I think it's really true, and it makes me laugh because I've now made it a habit to be quiet every day and for a period of time, sometimes more than 15 minutes. But I get so many answers to so many things that I'm thinking about in that quiet time. I mean, it didn't happen immediately, but it happens a lot now. And so there's this quote, a mathematician and physicist Pascal said, all of humanity's problems stem from man's inability to sit quietly in a room alone. 
all of humanity's problems stem from man's inability to sit quietly in a room alone. So we we're very busy. I'm a busy person. I love to multitask. I have 800 things going at once. Um, but I also am learning to sit still and be quiet. And that's helping me with self-awareness and uh, helping me get answers to things that I'm working on, small things to big things. So I would invite you to, as this use more of your strengths every day, focus and more awareness around that, more self-awareness, take some time to slow down, to speed up, quiet time. And the third action in regard to three actions you can take to activate greatness. Uh, the first two are about activating greatness for yourself. And now this is about activating greatness in others, and that is to embrace differences. So differences create conflict, but conflict creates better decisions as if when you're having a conflict, you can have unfiltered debate. And the only way that happens is each person's view has to be valued. And if the people on your team have different views, which would be their strengths and their interests and their drivers and their motivators than yours, then you need to get good at embracing the difference and seeing the power. That's that activating greatness, seeing their potential, seeing what good they bring. And when you do that, you're going to have less resistance and more appreciation. So here's a story of a team, Jerry and his team, they'd been working together. They were, it's an executive team with a large company and they were kind of, in his words, were driving each other crazy. And they would say the same thing. They jokingly tell each other, they'd known each other for years. Some of them, 10 years, they'd worked together in different capacities. And now we're all together as this executive team. And he was the, he is the CEO. He said, sometimes, you know, we drive each other crazy and they'd say, oh, yes, yeah, sometimes he drives us crazy. But we got them together and helped them realize what their top drivers were, what their top genius is around their motivators. And so the tension is different now. It's it's a good tension because now they're bringing their different perspectives to the team. But everybody's perspective, their genius, what they care about is appreciated and valued. And so I talked to Jerry recently and he said, you know what? I just get it. That's just how they're wired. It's not that they're being difficult because they're different from me. They're wired. And so they're bringing a different perspective, which is exactly what I need on a team. And so much better communication and interaction and people feeling free to be who they are, which is helping them to activate their greatness. So here's an example on a team. Jerry had the power when you think of the six circles, ambitious goals, impatient, he also had very high results. So he loves to work and loves a return. He's all about efficiency. And one of his VPs uh, was in charge of customer support. He was a bit like Dylan. He had uh, the high service as a motivator. So anytime they were making any decisions, he would take the charge around the, the people and the pain and suffering and how does this impact the people and he would you know he'd be very stubborn and and the more he was encouraged to bring his best self to the team he'd say you know people are first and so they that would always get higher consideration now that he's able to be more verbal and more appreciated for what he cares about another one of the vice presidents was the process and order keeper out of the motivators and she doesn't really want things to change so much her her goal is to keep the rules and traditions in place and she always you know brings up the standard operating procedures reminds everybody how it's always been done and so when they're in meetings and they're making decisions she's often coming from that perspective another vp of operations was uh scored really high on the learning so he's always trying to understand why are we doing that asking all kinds of questions which if you didn't understand that he was driven to learn and know and understand you might would say okay that curiosity and those questions are annoying you're just questioning my decision or you know jerry said that and so now he gets it he's like no that's just him doing research and being being inquisitive and so with his questions we are going to make better decisions and then the fifth person on his team had the high results. So always about, okay, is this efficient? I don't think we're being efficient. And so lots of opportunity for <laughs> tension on a team. But in the same token, there's just as much opportunity for synergy and powerful discussions when differences are appreciated and valued. Same people, 
They're not driving each other crazy anymore as much. (laughs) They have a common language for understanding their strengths. And uh, I have a little sign in my kitchen up at our home in the North Georgia mountains. And it says, it's not what you look at. It's what you see. It's not what you look at. It's what you see. So when I look at you and your drivers are totally like Jerry, his drivers were different from almost everybody on his team. You know, now I look at, These people who are awesome people and I see their greatness, not their difficulty, not that they're trying to be difficult because they're not doing exactly me. And that is what happens on teams and in families and in organizations and friendships. Um, So it's the same people. He just now understands more who they are and their what their genius is. And, you know, if you help people be more of who they are, they are going to thank you with high performance. If you help them be more of who they are. That is, activate their greatness, acknowledge their potential, shine a light in the fog towards their genius. They're going to thank you with high performance. So we've talked about today about this activating greatness habit. and We've used the Einstein quote, genius. We've talked about why it matters and talked a little bit about the Gallup strengths statistics. Talk about seven things that get in the way and three actions you can take. And all of that can be found at pricelessprofessional.com forward slash genius. And so what I would say in closing is see their success before they do. And it's easier to do that when your tank is full and you're understanding your own success and you have a strong, have worked on your own happiness and your own connection and your own sense of self and identification with your role, but see their success before they do practice in your mind, all of their strengths and all of their talents and all of their goodness. If they're having moments of self-doubt, don't buy into it. Remember and see for each person, the wealth of possibility that they have and recall it so that it becomes dominant within you so that When you, they interact with you, what they get in your conversations, your caring conversations that can also involve correcting performance, what they also get is a sense that you believe that they could have a bright future. And when you radiate what's right about a person, you will be a positive influence on that person. You will help them activate their greatness. You can help them from your belief. You can be that influence. One of those people who saw their potential before they even saw it. They're walking around in a fog and they don't really know what they don't know right now. So, but your influence can help them find their answers and their own path, their own motivation, their own inspiration. And you'll have, you'll have helped them in a way that's long lasting and a great legacy. So for you, I'd like to say you are good. You are valuable. You are meant to be happy. You are supposed to have fun. You can create a life and a work you love. And the future is yours. Long-term work motivation kills our spirit. And we've got to listen to that pain and reawaken within us the people we were meant to be, who you were meant to be, and then help everybody around you find that for themselves. So you have special gifts and talents, and so do the people who work for you. Help everybody around you become more aware of their genius. Hire and manage based on that, and you're going to create a happy, inspired, motivated, very productive team of people who own their job and contribute their talents generously. Our podcast today can be found at pricelessprofessional.com forward slash genius. Contact me for a complimentary consulting call at pricelessprofessional.com forward slash Susie, S-U-Z-I-E. Next, we're going to, I'm going to interview some folks around Activate Greatness. I'm interviewing a coach, my coach, who I think is really good at activating greatness. So that's coming in November. And I'm hoping to interview the one of the key founders of the Workplace Motivators Assessment. So I'm trying to get that scheduled. We're also going to be talking about the next habits. And I just did a great interview about growing trust. And I'm excited to share that with you. So we'll get that up here soon, too. So we'll see you around. If you have any questions, call me or reach out at pricelessprofessional.com forward slash Susie, S-U-Z-I-E. And we'll connect. I'd love your feedback. And also, um, if you'd like a complimentary consulting call, we can do that. Take care. 
This episode of the Wake Up Eager Workforce Podcast was brought to you by Priceless Professional Development. Thank you for tuning in. If you enjoyed today's show, head over to pricelessprofessional.com to gain access to more professional development resources. 